Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. We wanted to continue our discussion on making a defense for your faith or giving an answer for your faith part two. Uh, If you didn't catch last week's episode, we encourage you to do so. But we want to discuss or continue this discussion on giving an answer for your faith. And the immediate question is why? Why should I give an answer for my faith? Why should I tell others that I'm a Christian? Why should I um, tell others that they also need to uh, consider Jesus Christ? Why should I um, get in people's business and tell them what to do? Um, I'm not going to judge. That's the theme that people use now. I'm not going to judge. And if I may say this, that statement is often misunderstood. I think I understand what people are trying to convey when they say, I'm not going to judge or I won't judge. I think what they're trying to say is, I'm not going to condemn, which is true. Condemnation belongs to God. But if we're truly saying we're not going to a judge or, or we're not going to judge, then that's not biblical. Because what Jesus talks about is uh, judge not so that you don't be judged in terms of condemnation. But that definition of judging or to judge is to assess whether an act is right or wrong. Whether an act, behavior, um, conduct, whether it's in sync with God. To be able to use our abilities, God-given abilities, to assess if a situation is righteous or unrighteous. God has given that to us. The Bible tells us that we are fruit inspectors. We are, he, God has given us the authority to assess whether or not something is in sync with his will or something is outside of his will. So this whole notion of I'm not going to judge is erroneous. If we mean by judging to assess whether an act is right or wrong, God gives us that permission, that liberty to determine whether or not something is right or wrong. However, he doesn't give us the right or authority to condemn that belongs to him. So as we look at first Peter uh, in the third chapter, he's dealing with believers that are going through suffering. He's dealing with believers that are going through persecution, believers who are trying to live for Jesus. And because of that, they're being harassed because they profess to know Jesus Christ. Their characters 
uh, or their, their name is being assaulted. Because they believe in Jesus, some are being put in prison. Because they believe in Jesus, some are being uh, uh, persecuted physically. Because they believe in Jesus, some are being crucified physically. So a lot of what the early Christians had to go through, many of us are not dealing with it in the Western world. Uh, suffering is not be, uh, or they, it's not the inability to find your favorite outfit for worship service. That's not the type of suffering that Peter's talking about. Suffering is not is is not uh, the inability to. Uh, get a promotion at your job. That's that's not the type of suffering that Peter's talking about. I'm not saying those things can't can't be suffering. I'm saying this is not the type of suffering Peter's talking about. We're talking about suffering that could cost you your life. The boldness to stand up for Jesus Christ when the society is saying, I don't even want to hear it. I don't want to hear about Jesus. I don't want to hear about the gospel. I don't want to hear about salvation. I don't want to hear about redemption. I don't want to hear about the Old Testament. I don't want to hear about the New Testament. I don't want to hear it. And in many ways, this is where we are right now in the West. There are those that do not want to hear the name of Jesus. They don't mind you saying God but they don't want to hear about Jesus because to talk about Jesus brings in the potential for salvation. It brings in the potential for conversion to bring the name of Jesus. Uh, it brings in exclu- uh, uh, the exclusiveness of the gospel. Yes, the gospel is for everybody, but yet the message is exclusive. The gospel is intended for all of humanity, but yet the Message is exclusive. The Bible tells us that there's no other way to the Father but by the Son. It's an exclusive gospel. So am I saying um, that if you don't accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that you won't make it to heaven? That's exactly what I'm saying. Because I, just like you, just like any other Christians, we are reporters. We did not create heaven. We didn't create um, the streets painted with gold or the streets made of gold. We, we, we didn't create all of that. God did. And God sets the parameters in terms of his creation. So if God has given the criteria for how we ought to make it to heaven or how we can make it to heaven, then it's his authority. It's not mine. It doesn't matter how sincere I am. If I don't follow God's instructions, I'm not going to make it. So God says, if you want to make it, to heaven. If you want to get to know me, you have to come by the Son, and that's Jesus Christ. So anyone else or anything else that we attempt to use to try to get to heaven outside of Jesus Christ, it's not going to work. Doesn't matter how sincere the uh, the people are. It doesn't matter how um, uh, nice the people are. It doesn't matter. God has established the parameters. And the reality is, uh, when we do it God's way, it always turns out for our best because he is the architect. He is the one that knows us inside and out. He is the one that knows everything, frontwards and backwards, from beginning to end, the alpha and omega. God knows everything, his omniscience. 
And so when we talk about uh, giving it over to God, yes, it's exclusive, but his prescription is the best thing for us. If your doctor, as an example, if your doctor tells you this is what ails you and I need, to, I need you to take this, but don't take any alcohol, your doctor is being exclusive. He says, look, take this, but leave alcohol alone. He didn't say, um, I don't want to hurt your feelings, so okay, it's okay to take alcohol. No, the doctor's looking out for your best interest. When he says do not take alcohol with this medicine, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for it. And so when God tells us not to do this but to do that, there's a reason for it. In the alcohol example, it's given um, a biological, a, a chemical argument for why you shouldn't mix those things together. Well, when God tells us something, in, in this sense, he's dealing with a spiritual chemistry, spiritual chemistry. So when God tells you, I need you to do this and don't bring in that, it's for our best interest. So we should be used to, if we use our human analogies, we, be, we should be used to uh, following instructions because that individual has our best interest at heart, just like our doctor's. I hope that makes sense. So in the last episode, we talked about giving uh, reasons or giving an answer for our faith. And the things we talk about, the things we stand on, are not based on or should not be based on your um, philosophies alone. It should not be based on your religious experience alone. It should not be based on... Uh, the relationships you've had with your grandparents and your parents and uh, your civic groups. It shouldn't be based on that alone. Whatever we experience, we have to test it by the Spirit. So we test the Spirit by the Spirit to determine whether or not whatever we're dealing with is accurate. Because human beings are known to make mistakes, but God does not. And so this is the fact of the matter, is we have to stand on Jesus. Sometimes some things don't make sense to us. We have to, through faith, stand on the word of God because he knows it all. God is not trying to be punitive. That's not his priority. God loves us, and he's trying to keep harm away from us. God desires that we have a relationship with him without having to go through unnecessary baggage because he loves us. And everything we're talking about is God's desire that we get to know his type of love. And in knowing his type of love, we're then able to effectively love others. Starting with ourselves. God wants us to get to know who we really are. And God wants us to grow in his love. God wants us to extend his love. So uh, by the way that we love others, people can see what God's love is all about. So Peter is, is writing to Christians in the first century who are indeed going through suffering. And he says, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Right? That, that is a question that he's posing. Who can harm you if you're doing things for God? And this is reminiscent of Jesus' uh, lesson. He says, do not fear 
the one who can destroy the body, right? The world always threatened to kill certain individuals because of what they stand for or to destroy them or to annihilate them or to discredit them. Many in the world do that. They, they, they attack people that don't believe what they believe in a hateful way. And so Peter is saying, if they put you in jail, if they uh, assault your character, if they fire you, if they take you to court, if they attempt to discredit you, if you living for Jesus and other people are persecuting you because of Jesus, you'll be fine. You'll be okay. You have to believe that trusting in God will always give you the advantage. So who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? And even if they take our lives, that's what Peter's saying. Even if they take your life, it's still better because you graduate to be in the presence of the Lord. Now, I'm not anxious to leave this life. I love what God has given us. But if my life was to, were to be taken, I'll be in the presence of the Lord. That's what Peter's trying to convey to us. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of your threats, nor be troubled. Don't even lose sleep over it. Don't lose sleep over it. The tragedy is many Christians now are so fearful. They're, they're, they're afraid that if they let the cat out the bag, if they proclaim Jesus boldly, that they'll lose some so-called friends. They're afraid that if they testify about how good God is and that everybody needs to accept Christ, that uh, they'll be seen as too square. They'll be seen as a religious zealot. They'll be seen as someone too holy. And they're not ready to stand up for Christ or to pay that type of price. But the truth is, if you're truly connected to Jesus, no one has to uh, move you to testify. Nobody has to twist your arm to testify. It comes out automatically because God has been so good to you and you know him and you know the assignment. The assignment is to testify. We stand boldly for Christian principles. Parents who see things at their schools in terms of their children being indoctrinated into the wickedness of this world, Christian parents have to stand up as an example. And when we see relationships that are built on uh, secularism and humanism and is, is built on faulty logic, we as believers have to speak out because if we love people, we want the best for them and we want to share with them what the best is, and that's Jesus Christ. Now we have things uh, that uh, we have to create titles for. Now marriages are not just marriages, but we have open marriages. We have terms such as uh, uh, polyamory, meaning many loves, meaning you bring different people into your relationships. This is not the way God designed it. This is not the way God wants it. And so when people are living underneath the standard, we as believers, as moved by the Holy Spirit, we have to speak out in love. 
if you love people. So Peter's saying, don't worry about it. Don't be afraid of the threats, nor be troubled. This is verse 14 in 1 Peter chapter 3. So he switched with this conjunction. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Meaning set God apart in your heart. Make room for God in your heart. Right? He, he goes from persecution to an attitude adjustment. We have to set God aside by himself, meaning that he gets the priority. God gets the priority in our heart, in our psyche, in our worldview. God gets priority. He's set aside for everything else from, from worry. God is set aside. God is set aside from envy. God is set aside because those things have nothing to do with God and those things causes us to stumble. When, but when God is priority, everything else is put in its proper order. I'm likely not to lose sleep when God is number one. I'm likely not to uh, be consumed with fear when God is number one. I'm likely to stay away from destructive relationships when God is number one. I'm likely to invest and impart to my children the ways of righteousness when God is number one. I'm likely to invest my money and be a good steward when God is number one. So Peter is saying, don't lose any sleep over this. People persecute you because they don't know any better. Even Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So being persecuted as someone who dares to live for Jesus is part of Christian conduct. It's part of Christian living. It's part of our walk. It's built in. Suffering is built into our Christianity. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, meaning prioritize him, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's within you with meekness and fear, meaning gentleness and respect. So sanctify God in your heart and always be ready. Always be ready. Always be ready. When should we be ready? Always. Always be ready to give a defense, an apologia. That's where we get the term apologetics from. And this means defense. Give an apologia for why you believe in what you believe. Give an apologia on on why you believe there's life after death. Uh, That you're not a cessationist. uh, That we just don't end after this time is over with. There are those who believe that. But we that are Christians know that there is a soul. There's a soul that uh, transcend and a soul that subsists. So we as believers, we stand on what God is telling us. That, that the, those things that lie beyond our five senses. I trust God for that because God created us and he knows what every soul looks like. We will never know that, but God knows. So give a defense. Be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you, what, Peter? Everyone that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. If you have a hope, are you able to articulate that hope to others? Are you able to convey the message of why you do the things that you do for Christ? When people ask you, 
Why do you worship on Sundays? Do you have an answer? When someone asks you, why is Bible study important? Do you have an answer? When someone asks you, why do you give tithes and offering? Do you have an answer? When someone asks you in the midst of tragedy, why are you certain that this person who was a Christian made it to heaven? Do you have an answer? So we as Christians, people have a right to come and ask us why we do the things we do. It's built into our Christianity. And then what else is built in is uh, we have to be ready. Are you ready to give an answer for the reason for the hope that lies within you? And if someone asks you a question and you have the opportunity to prepare yourself, but you resist it and you didn't do what you were supposed to do, then God holds you accountable. Am I saying that as a Christian, you have, need to have an answer for everything? No. No one has an answer for everything. But the things that we do have answers for, God is going to hold us accountable if we had an opportunity to learn and we didn't learn it. This is why we study. We study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman who need not bless, blush with embarrassment, but rightly dividing the word of God. We have to get to that point. Paul says we need to move from milk to meat. So all of us have an opportunity. It's not just your pastor. It's not just your elder. It's not just your deacon or it's not just your, uh, um, your, your other people in leadership inside the church. It's all of us. All of us are being held accountable for our holiness. All of us are being held accountable for our sanctification process. All of us are being held accountable for what we're doing with the talents that God has given us. God holds us accountable. The reason why, or part of the reason why our Christ has yet to come back, there's still work to do. There's still field to be prepared. There's still evangelism that needs to take place. There's still discipleship that needs to take place. So God has work for us to do. So while we wait for him to come back, while we wait for the parousia, the second return of Christ, while we wait for him to be uh, hung up in the sky and calling the uh, dead in Christ to rise, while we wait for that uh, dispensation, we have work to do. And that work is not just for the pastors. It's not just for the elders. It's not just for church leadership. It's for all of us. It's for you and I. We need to know that Bible like a manual, which it is. The Old Testament, New Testament. We need to know how to utilize our hermeneutics, which is the science and art or biblical interpretation. So in other words, the correct method for interpreting the Bible. We need to know all of this. It's not enough for us to say we're Christians, but yet can't give an answer for why we say we, uh, why we do what we do or why we believe what we believe. So our time has come to a close. We'll continue this topic next week, but uh, we thank you all for your prayers. We pray that these lessons have been a blessing to you. We pray that you grow in Christ, not in another man or woman, but you grow in Christ and that you develop as you grow up to the head to be able to glorify the God that we so much love. Again, thank you for your prayers. And if you would like to donate, please go on our website, srministries.org, or send, send your check to the P.O. box. And remember 
to continue to do for the truth what so many people and others do for a lie. May the Lord bless you. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com. Dot com.